Welcome to Between a Talk and a Hard Place, a podcast for women bringing down-to-earth conversations about the realities of our real-life experiences. I'm your host, Lisette McKenzie, author, life and mindset transformation coach, and self-concept connoisseur. And together with my girls, Alicia and Natira, we'll be discussing everything from situations to situationships and the challenges women face every day as we navigate this thing called life. Welcome back to another episode of Between a Talk and a Hard Place. Today I'm addressing the purple elephant in the room. It's the secret so many people love to keep while so many others love to ignore. It's mental health. Now what I won't do is sit here and tell you that mental health has always been a topic of interest for me. As a matter of fact, I can remember a time when the thought of mental health was downright scary. Growing up, I had family members who had some mental concerns going on. I mean, what family doesn't, right? But sometimes the way it presented was frightening. So I would automatically navigate myself away from what I didn't understand, and no one would ever talk about it. But as I grew older and became more cognizant of the functioning and complexities of the mind, I became more curious. So for those of you who may not know, I'm now a clinical mental health counselor in training. I'm at the end of my course requirements, and I have to say that it has definitely been a very fruitful journey. You know, there's power in education, and with it comes the opportunity to break down barriers, and the ability to embrace mental health and wellness is one of those barriers. Education, when it comes to mental health, is a key factor in bridging the gap between misconception and comprehension, and discussion is a major part of education. Far too many people are armed with the mental health myths that stoke the fires of their fears, and some of these myths were passed down through the generations. So in order to work towards bringing an end to the stigmatization of mental health, we need to start from the beginning. We need to understand what mental health is. We need to know what mental illness is, and we need to consider the causes of our aversion to seeking help. And just for clarity, when I say we, I am emphasizing those of us in the black and brown community because we carry deeply rooted negative perceptions when it comes to mental illness and an intense mistrust when it comes to mental health treatment. My emphasis in no way, however, is meant to exclude anyone. Your mental health matters no matter who you are or what you look like. Mental health relates to how you feel, think, and behave. It's a state of well-being in which you're able to realize your own abilities, you're able to cope with the normal stresses of life, you can work productively, and you can still find enjoyment in life. This is why the promotion, protection, and restoration of mental health should be treated with the same focus and respect as you treat your physical health. Mental illness refers to the diagnosable mental disorders that contribute to the changes that you may experience in your thinking, emotional, and behavioral functioning that disrupts your participation in social, professional, or family activities. This could look like anxiety disorders, bipolar disorder, depression, personality disorders. There are a multitude of diagnosable mental illnesses. And of course, proper diagnosis is best left to the professionals. When it comes to mental illness, a major issue that needs to be addressed is a large number of people who are suffering in silence. 
These people know that something is not quite right or absolutely wrong. But there's this connotative label that tells them every day that they should be able to deal with everything that comes their way because they're strong and resilient. And maybe their problems are not as big of a deal as they make them out to be. And when those types of ideals are set, it deepens the mental burden that the individual carries. In addition to that, there's the stigma that suggests that any talk about mental health and mental illness is bad. So the silence surrounding it is huge and the door to open the discussions about it is rusty. So these individuals just sit in their confusion, not knowing how to verbalize what they're experiencing. They just can't find the words that make it make sense and they're not sure if it's safe to talk about because they don't want to be labeled or rejected. As blatant as the need for mental wellness is, the topic of mental health, especially in the black and brown community, is still very much taboo. So to revert back to what I said about not being able to find words that make sense about what's going on with them, they're also tasked with ensuring those same words are acceptable within their community. That means showing a vulnerable side and for black and brown men and women, it's not easy to show vulnerability. Vulnerability from men is looked at as a weakness. They're told they need to man up or they need to stop being a punk. For women, it's not acceptable to voice our concerns because we're being called angry, loud, ungrateful, lazy. The list goes on, right? We're easily branded with so many negative descriptions and in so many cases, we have to truly break down. We have to mentally and physically break down in order to be granted the clemency of what is considered too much or accepted as enough is enough. And even then, there's room left to critique you. So imagine constantly questioning, does this make sense? And if it makes sense, will society accept it? Will my friends accept it? Will my family accept it? And that doesn't even touch on the major question of how can I accept what's going on with me? So there's so many aspects that one person has to review and approve before they can comfortably wave that white flag and say, I need help. In addition to that, you have the urban legends, the tales that get passed on one whisper at a time. Like counseling is for white people. I'm sure you've heard it or even said some variation of that statement, and it's just not true. Addressing mental illness and nurturing mental health is not just for white people. I hear that a lot, so much so that it's heartbreaking to see how someone whose symptoms are screaming for help will minimize their pain or assign it a reason for existing because they don't believe they're susceptible to the same mental afflictions or treatment as someone with a different skin tone. Listen, mental disorders don't care what you look like. It likes you pale, it likes you pink, it likes you every hue of brown to the deepest, darkest black. So it's up to you to like you more and take your mental health seriously. The longest living urban legend, in my personal opinion, surrounds family and faith. A lot of family members are biased when it comes to mental illness. They're steadfast in a plethora of beliefs like mental illness is a weakness or a character flaw, or they may think that the individual is lazy and just not willing to try. They might also worry about how mental illness will reflect on the family's social standing. It's one thing when a stranger thinks this way about you, but 
When that heat comes from family, it really burns. The way they perceive the problem makes addressing it that much more difficult because at their most severe level of miseducation, their solution lies in the hope that the individual will grow out of it. They hope that the behavior will just go away. They hope that they can wait in faith for it to get better. Imagine being in the midst of a mental crisis and being told there's no time for that. Imagine being told you can't fall apart now because you have people depending on you or you have things to do. It's unfortunate that many family members just don't understand that mental disorders are not that easy to configure. You can't just turn it off or reschedule it to a more convenient time. And where faith is a prominent family focus, it gets really sticky. Individuals are directed by their God-fearing family members to pray on it or go to church, right? Because to them, mental illness could be a sign of an evil spiritual presence. They believe in giving all their troubles to God, but listen, you can still ride with Jesus and break for therapy to help secure your mental health. If you believe that God created mankind in the likeness of his own image, then you should also believe that he created the therapist to serve you. I am in no way implying that prayer or any other spiritual act of peace and reverence can't have a positive effect on the mind. I know that being connected to a divine experience is most definitely soothing, invigorating, and healing in and of itself. And I can see why it's held with such high regard, but I also believe that you shouldn't have to choose one over the other. As a community, we need to reevaluate the narrative that says you can pray and meditate it away. Because although your faith may help keep you grounded, it's the education and the discussions that can help you understand and better manage your condition. And that leads me to the final piece of this mental health puzzle. Mental Health R&R, which is resources and rapport. If we're not talking about mental health, then word of mouth doesn't happen. We don't want anybody to know that we had a little meltdown and needed a couch session. So we keep quiet. And until we get to the point where we are psychologically liberated, we won't be able to break those generational curses of muting mental illness and despair. You don't want to go to just anyone. You want someone who's going to connect with you on a cultural level and have your best interests at heart. You may not like the thought of having to choose a provider based solely on availability and convenience. You want to be able to trust that the person you choose to divulge your deepest selves is really the right person for you. There are some great resources out there and some of your friends and family, even you yourself know about them but you're bound to this irrational code of silence. You don't have to have a mental illness to nurture your mental health, but you do have to be willing and able to engage in those deep and difficult conversations. You know how to discuss your physical ailments, right? So when it comes to mental afflictions, going mute and fading into the background should not be an option. Fear needs to be set aside, discussions need to happen, and connections need to be made so that change can come about. Where are you in your mental health journey? Are you comfortable with having discussions about mental illness? 
Keep the conversation going. Join the Facebook group Between a Talk and a Hard Place, and let's start normalizing discussions about mental health.